The storeroom door finally cracks open and slams into the wall as your party muscles through the iron lock. Panting, you all eagerly peer into the room, imagining the bevy of treasure the dwarves must have kept locked up with the set of scrolls you have been set to fetch. To your surprise, the room inside is empty, save for a small chest on the far end. The light from behind you spills in enough to make out simple rough stone walls and no windows. You were told there would be other treasures. There is nothing but the chest. It appears to be simple, large enough to store the scrolls and maybe some small relic of value that you can take with you. Your party enters and scans the room. You spot no traps, nothing enchanted, and you all pause in the center. Why would the dwarves bother with such an intricate lock for a room that holds almost nothing? None of you find anything out of the ordinary, and finally you make your way to the chest. You look it over, and still nothing seems amiss. Crouching down, you lay a hand on its surface, and find it to be much cooler than expected, and it feels... sticky? You attempt to pull your hand away to wipe it clean, but it does not come back. You tug and begin to panic. It is clear something is wrong, and your party begins to come closer, but it is too late. The chest begins to quiver. The wood grain swells and loses shape. The top is now a mass of gleaming eyes. You yelp as tentacle-like pseudopod appendages sprout and swing at you from the side of the chest. The chest rises up, climbing the wall with more pseudopod arms, and takes you with it. Someone behind you shouts a word, a name, but you are too busy trying to break away. There is a stench of rot and bile as a toothy maw opens in the chest, inches from where your hand is stuck fast. Your party readies their weapons. Roll for initiative. Hello, and welcome to the second edition of the Monsters and... Uh, This week, we're going to be Monsters and Mimics because, well, this week, we're going to talk about Mimics. We're very original with our M words this week. So this time around, we are talking about Mimics, as you probably got from a bit of the flavor text there. Uh, We went into the more famous version of what people probably think of when they think of mimics. Right, a mimic disguised as a chess, which is actually a huge video game trope now. I'm sure you've seen it somewhere in a video game. I mean, we're gonna, to talk about it most readily would be the the Souls franchises who brought it really into people's mainstream mindset. No, that. it's been around for much longer than that, though. Back in the day with like Dragon Quest slash Warrior. Yeah, and I mean, we could even go into like more subtle versions of that. I mean, you could harpen to Ditto from Pokemon being a mimic who really changes into different forms. Uh, right. But the mimics in Dungeons and Dragons and like uh, in imitated forms and video games and stuff are actually kind of unique in that like they imitate inanimate objects rather than like living things. Because mm-hmm. usually in folklore and stuff like that, a mimic or like a mimic like creature would imitate a creature. Like it wouldn't imitate an object. For an end goal. The 
gods disguising themselves as uh, other people or animals to get what they need. Or like most notably, like um, changelings would be Mm -hmm. a good one, like taking the place of a child. Whereas mimics are pure predators. They do not have a specific shape. Uh, They are purely amorphous. Yeah, they're like this amorphous gray slime almost, but like a little bit more like... You could say slug-like in this. Maybe not slug-like, more like just blobby. Like they don't keep a shape at all. So even lesser than slimes, unless they decide they're going to take a certain form and then they are a near... Well, we'll get into that. They're a near-perfect replica of whatever they choose. Right. They can mimic the texture and color of anything inanimate. I mean, uh, it's originally started out as wood and stone and that's it, but now it's wood, stone, um, metal, anything that's a basic material. And I want to say, like, because they mimic it so well, you wouldn't, unless you roll a, like a, a natural 20, you're not going to be able to recognize there's any difference between it and any other inanimate object. Well, I mean, you you could tell if there was a difference if you, you know, tried to touch it or pick it up. Uh, but that presents a whole other set of problems. Which we got into a little bit in the flavor text at the very beginning. It was kind of brought up that the mimics have an adhesive that they put over themselves. Now, this is not available to them outside of when they are that gelatinous form. No, it's when they're in their mimic form. Oh, when they're in... Oh. But when they turn into that gelatinous form, they lose it. Like, it, it gets reabsorbed into their body. By that point, they uh, emerge with, as you kind of heard as well, the pseudopod arms that they're able to battle with. Right. So they stick you to them, and then they start smacking you with these pseudopod arms. Um, and they can they can actually even bite you, and that bite does do, like, acid damage in addition to regular Think of, Think of these uh, mimics as, as close as you could to predatory hunters that lie in wait octopuses cuttlefish things of right. that nature. almost even like plants like you know like uh pitcher plants or like venus flytraps where they they trap you and then do damage to you their lower level intelligence uh which in this version well actually we can go into that now at the original mimics there were they were split into two types uh, there was a big dumb killer kind of mimic that was pure predatory yeah and there was a smaller one that was um, a little bit more intelligent but it didn't do as much damage and this one you could bargain with if say you know your party is about to overrun it it might offer you a piece of information or something to not kill it it's a way to interact with the group as the DM to kind of warn them about something up ahead without there just being like a note left on a rock or a message in the heavens coming down yeah, so there used to be two types of mimics, and we just, you know, laid them out there for you, but now there's only one. They've combined it into just, you know, a single creature uh, that's kind of a little mix of both. Uh, they they still, you know, do heavy, well, not heavy damage, but they do a decent amount of damage. Uh, but every once in a while, they can talk, and, you know, they're, they're like, they're basically just a combination. They're not, they're not smart enough to, like, negotiate, but they can, you can, like, Well, sometimes they are. Not like, always, though. Like, very rarely are they, so they're not, like, the smaller ones, which was, like, they were able to, like, get bits of information. These things are rarely smart enough to kind of give that out. Uh, they, mimics nowadays are... Uh, they're like you said, where they're blends of everything, so they can still fight. They deal a little bit of damage with their um, their bite, their arms. They 
still retain that that same lore where they they don't lose mass in transformation. So this is like a fun fact that you can play with as a DM uh, that they can only shapeshift into something that like relatively has the same size as them. No, no, they can totally shapeshift into any dimensions they want, but it has to have the same mass. Like it has to have the same weight. So like they can shapeshift into like an archway in a dungeon, but they still have to weigh the same. I don't know what ramifications that would have, but <laughs> just like really, just like a... like if you run into a wall and it instantly falls down, maybe it's a mimic <laughs> instead of a wall. <laughs> well, speaking of a wall that falls on you, I think that's a pretty good way for a mimic to get a meal, and and I might steal that as a way to like envelop an NPC uh, to like because a mimic can sustain itself for like weeks and weeks on end with a decent kill would be like a small party, like one or two humans. Uh, and that way, again, they're similar to like those lay in wait hunters who don't eat on a daily basis. They trap something, they smother it. They, they sustain themselves on that. Uh, so we have just a few more things to go over here. So for example, um, mimics like really, really hate light. Uh, they have their bodies covered in these eye spots, uh, which are actually a real thing. You know, some animals like aquatic invertebrates like starfish have these to see their surroundings. Um, but they're sensitive spots on the the body that they use to detect sunlight and vibration and heat. Uh, but since they're covered in them, it makes them super sensitive to any sort of light. So you can actually effectively blind one if you just like shine a torch in its face or if you take it out into bright sunlight or something. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like why in the flavor text we had it set up in that way. And speaking of biological stuff, uh, you know, mimics, they... They have asexual reproduction, which was kind of like beholders. It's like kind of like budding or fission where like they just like a part of it. just like cells divide and then there's two mimics and then they like grow up like a, probably like a year or so in the future. I got a whole notepad here. John, about is this, it. this going to be a thing where you talk about reproduction I mean, a lot? Because like we should I don't I don't want to get into that. I mean, I just have notes about this, Christine. We're being thorough is all about you know that's what we're here for this is what the podcast is is about um anyways let's continue on with other facts about mimics like for example they were made by wizards so it really doesn't matter how they reproduce yes they were made by wizards for reasons those reasons being usually to protect a treasure Well, there was a lot of actually some pretty cool stuff that was noted for why they were made. Uh, One of them actually being posted fairly recently by the official Wizards of the Coast blog um, that a scientist wizard, in in effect, like uh, think of them uh, as as a person who was studying mimics and he used them, he bred them for specific purposes and he used them to copy spell books. Uh, so they were tame mimics in a sense. So wait, are you saying that they would mimic a spellbook so that we would have two spellbooks of the same thing? I mean, I guess you can do whatever you wanted with. I mean, if you with tame mimics, it I'm was a cool concept. How, how that would work? Oh. I, you could read it in that official blog, <laughs> which maybe we'll we'll throw a little link in whatever we we're gonna do for Facebook that. Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Yeah. And hit us up if you have cooler ideas about this. Um, but I think that's that. That covered most of what we wanted to hit for like ecology. For mimics? Mm, I think so. I think that's about it. All right. Let's get to the imagination then. What are some super super cool ideas we had about mimics? Well, one of my favorite ideas actually comes from one of the old dragon magazines uh, in an article about, um, what was it? The ecology of mimics, I think. 
uh, the ecology of the mimic. So it's the idea like this mimic snuck into a town and then ended up taking shape as a statue in the center of like the town square and kind of hiding out there. And then at night feeding on like random people walking home alone and dumping their bones and stuff after it ate them into the sewer near it. And so everyone's going missing in town and no one can figure out why. And the only person that realizes the statue is out of place is the person who you know, made the square, like, was the mason on it. And then... It's a really fun way to, like, insert your yourself into... Like, you could totally steal this for, like, a bottle story for, like, your, your players are in a town and these weird murders start happening and you, you get to figure out why. I had thought of, like, basically just from stealing the idea that the the there's a murder that you're, you're in some confined area, you're, like, you're not allowed to leave. Think of the movie Clue and there's a murder weapon found in the room but the at the end of it all you find out that the murder weapon itself is the mimic and right it, and you, you could use this almost as like a like a first quest as something that brings the party together like maybe someone's sister went missing and they got eaten by this mimic and they live in town or something or maybe you know someone has like other family members or just like know someone that went missing and they're looking and that's how you know everyone comes together mimics are a simple tool to be used in like a, 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 I was about to swear and I'm going to be good we're going to keep this PG uh, they could be used to bring in such fantastic situations I'm going to hark to a, a thread that we found on Reddit um, because we both found it and kind of geeked out about it a little <laughs> it's a bit very good thread um we'll post it on the facebook again or twitter yeah be, both we were just we found it together and then we listed some of these together like um people who had, had said they use mimics in strange ways one of them being a throne at the end of a dungeon where it was like an accomplished moment there's a throne waiting up there we just everyone was like vying over like they were tripping other characters to get to the throne to be the first one that sat down there and as soon as they sat down they could not get back up because it was a mimic and then now roll for initiative i thought that was fantastic um you could another one in a strange sense was an altar that was used uh towards uh, the end of a dungeon uh and last right one, so like the cleric would approach that and yeah. maybe like do a prayer over it or something and you know the mimic would come to life and eat it yeah just swallow him um lastly one of my favorites was that that, that uh christine you had you had listed specifically was um a mimic that tries to flee an area and it's it's in some kind of populated area so it tries to take the form of a mirror to to guys itself and the, the if you do a perception check you realize that the mirror doesn't have time to keep up with the people that are coming in it doesn't actually it just reflects what it saw as it changed right and you could use you could use that one as like a you you look in the mirror and you you don't see your reflection so you look closer at it and like as you get closer obviously the mimic kind of just eats you you yeah. just you know turns uh, into a mouth and swallows you down last one was um just to kind of like dupe like some more experienced players you could have uh, a mimic be smaller in a sense like one one that i saw that it was really great was a, a jewelry box where it was left somewhere that was in within easy reach and it was a bunch with a bunch of innocuous other objects uh, right and that's kind of a fun one because it's like when you so like when you enter the room you would describe that and that you like you could throw the players off like oh why are they describing a jewelry box is there something important in there and then they would might approach it and like try and open it but it's a mimic so yeah the really the only way to get around most of these dupes in a sense is true vision 
Um, so for more experienced characters, you don't want to use mimics too much in any situation that you're going to be a part of because people... Well, would, obvious. They then, you know, your players would pick up on it after a little while. They're just going to get annoyed and start swinging swords at everything. They're just... They're just going to, like, start... I cast Fireball at that. I don't trust it. Right. Uh, but in moderation, it's a fun way to, you know, surprise your party into something. And even, like, sometimes you could try and trick your party into thinking something's a mimic. And then they destroy an important art item. I mean, you don't want to do that a lot, obviously. You don't want to mess with your players too much. But, you know, every once in a while. Um, running through my list, then, the one of the main other ones that I thought up was, like, again, like a, like a small change on mimics. They tend to be lone hunters, just like one mimic in an area. I thought about what if there were like three or four smaller mimics set in a cave, like setting maybe stalactites, stalagmites. Um, they wait for you to get close enough and then kind of like surround you like dogs. Uh, for the situation, mimics do have extensive night vision for their eye spots. They can see up to 60 feet in the dark. So this could be like a swarm tactic. Maybe you get that bled into a hive of mimics. Wouldn't that be cool? I think it's cool. I'll probably use that later. Um, um, I really I'm a fan of using them as kind of like, oh, that's a weird like thing, like type thing, type of idea where you set an unusual thing in a room and so players are like gravitate towards it and that causes them to like touch it or interact with it in some way like something being so out of place you have to see what it is well not necessarily so out of place but just slightly off like say you're in a room with a bunch of stone pillars that are like you know supporting the roof or something but there's like one extra one kind of like like there's say there's like an even number of them but there's an, an extra odd one just like in a place you don't think it should be so they go up and they're like, why is there, like, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's a bad example. No, I think that's like a pretty decent one. It's again, kind of like akin to the the mirror one where it's like trying to change and and maybe you caught it in the, like, you it fled into a room and it made itself into like a pillar that was just close enough. And then the, you, people get close and you can swarm them again for that. Um Going through my list once more. Oh, the last thing that I had was akin to the um, part of that like official lore one where like a, a wizard scientist had made up a bunch of mimics for its use. I thought about uh, another nerd culture, a symbiotic relationship a la Spider-Man, uh, where you have a mimic as a means to help a thief, uh, something that could be used towards um guising itself or a means to get in and out of areas again amorphous form oh so do you mean like something that would disguise itself to stay in an area after like a thief has passed through yeah like if they pass through with a guard or something like that then they you know drop discreetly the mimic and it stays and then steals stuff afterwards it could be that or it could be that you the 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 person would steal something leave the mimic there and then like the mimic could leave on its own like being its slime form when no one else was around so it's like a double like you you would be able to get away with like thieving a lot easier uh for this oh Uh, okay luke don't get ideas about this when you listen to this later you're not allowed to have a mimic as a part of the party that i run right now this is an inside joke um was there anything else major that we wanted to hit on? Did you have anything else? Um, I don't know. Maybe we should, like, so there's there's tons of uses for mimics, obviously, but there's also some unusual mimics uh, that we could talk about for just a second. Like, yeah. um, I think it's in second edition, there's the space mimic, which is for, uh, what's that version of Dungeons & Dragons that's in space? I don't actually know, but I know that everyone will be able to look this up later, like the more cosmic. You have the ability to go into space for this whole situation. Um, 
Um, there's also big house mimics that will actually, they're, they're mimics that have adapted to being on the surface and gotten so big that they can mimic an entire house, which I find is an interesting idea. Uh, you could just like have it in the middle of a path. Like you notice, you know, it's, it's sitting there and like the players walk up and maybe like someone does a perception check and notices like, oh, the path doesn't seem to stop at the house. It goes under the house. Yeah. Interesting. Um, um, that th- type of thing. There there was like one scenario that was circled around the internet for a long time where, what was it, like an entire forest is a mimic? Yeah. Like, something about like every tree in a forest was a mimic. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't a particular fan of this idea. It seemed a little over the top. That seems to excessive me. in yeah. my mind. Um I mean, maybe I guess if you're going for like a very heroic campaign where it's like, you know, this uh, would be more fighty, like godlike yeah. campaign. This almost. would be like late, late stage fighting. Everybody's geared up and you're just mowing down different mimics through the scenario for that. I think that might be like a fun, like blow off mission. You know, if you are high level, then you can just you know, you swing all your weapons and blow all your spells. And it's a good fun time maybe for that. But like early level stuff, that would be incredibly mean <laughs> to, to do to your characters, in my opinion. Um, I don't know, but a mimic by itself is a pretty good like early level encounter. Yeah. Like they're not too strong in fifth edition. Um, but they are like something that's a little different. It's it's not just you're walking through a forest and you come across an owl bear or, you know, something like that. I mean I did that one with the owl bear. So Well yeah, because owl bears are they are the best. Awesome. Um I think that covers most of my list. And again, uh, like we said last time, if you think of anything else, like fun scenarios that you've thought of, uh, share it with us. Uh, Share it in the Facebook group, which we're putting together, which should be together by the time this one goes out. And um, we'll leave you now with our our common... This will be Trap this time, correct? Yeah, right. Um, But also, yeah, yeah, we're going to go into the Trap of the Month this time. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll do that right now. Your party clambers slowly down the steep steps from the cathedral-like chamber above. Roots and moss cling to the walls, and a fine dust kicks up like gnats around your waist. As you reach the bottom of the stairs, one of you lights a torch to get a better bearing on your surroundings. You can make out that this room of the temple is at least twice as large as the room above. And you can just barely make out the far side of the room in the torch's light. Crumbling stone mosaics continue along the walls, depicting scenes of animals. Mice, rabbits, and deer pursued by wolves and foxes. The predators team across the walls in all directions, and as you tread further into the room, you can make out that in the center of the far wall is the unknown deity. All the animals give her a wide berth, and she is bent at the waist, pouring her pitcher towards the floor. In her mouth, she holds the dagger between her teeth, still dripping with blood. Water cascades from the wall down to the floor. Here, the predators have torn their prey to shreds in a field of agony. The blood flows into the blue river, staining it a dark crimson. Your party moves with unease across the floor, and together you stand at the lip of the red river and are taken aback. While all the other stones in the mosaic are simple colored or crafted rocks, the red river sparkles and shines in the torchlight. More rubies than could ever be carried out lay before you. Okay, so this trap works very similar to a mimic (laughs) in that it entices you in to steal the rubies. Mm -hmm. This was intended to be a more organic way for characters to see the room, kind of feel a little bit more emotion in seeing the deity and enticing them to interact with the rubies in the floor. Right, so um, if if you try and pry up the rubies or 
I don't know, take them magically or something like that. If you if you pick them up out of the floor, um, you'll be hit with a bout of like, uh, we had thought Sacred Flame fits well for this room, but you could do it if you like translated it to a different dungeon. You could do like just fire or some area of effect spell. I, you can think of like a pole arm coming out of the floor after the ruby or something. Just anything that would give the interaction of of danger in the room. Uh, don't, it's kind of like an Indiana Jones style. Yeah. Take the valuable thing, get damaged. Yeah, we we had talked about doing a rolling bowler this week. Like that's no joke. That's a hundred percent. We kind of thought about doing yeah, but that. That's cliched, and we didn't want to do that. Yeah, um, I think this is fun though. Uh, the way to get through this would be mostly in. Uh, a religion check. Um, I would also say probably a high-level arcana could also help with this as well. Uh, this would be something that's more heavily weighted on inspection than anything else. Uh, they'd have to roll. I don't think you can give this one to your characters. It's a trap. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'd be wary of any just rubies or gems sitting in the middle of the floor, so I don't think it's that like deceiving. Mm-hmm of you to just do this without an easy way to discover that it's, you know, trapped. Yeah, just all I'm saying is don't treat your, treat your players like babies. <laughs> I did that for a while, and now I'm not doing it, and they're still okay. None of them have died yet. Um, but this is a fairly simple trap, and uh, let us know what you thought of it. Let us know where you would place it or your ideas for use in any other way. Uh, we always want to hear your feedback, and... Yeah, uh, yeah, you can find us on, uh, let us know everything, <laughs> on um, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and uh, through email. You can email us at uh, monstersandpod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter at monstersandpod. Mm-hmm. All of those will be linked in the description uh, below. And feel free to hit us up, too, with any requests or specific things you want to hear us talk about for monsters. We're looking yeah, for please, information. We, we want to we talk about what you want to hear about. Yeah, that's uh, we have plans for this setup but we we want to hit what you guys want to hit so let us know uh i think that's all that we have to say who did our wonderful intro music and outro yeah um i want to we want to do a special thanks again to zach uh soma recording studios.com um for the intro song and for producing this episode for us the all that great sound quality comes from him (laughs) and then uh my good friend brie ross made the um I guess the logo icon thingy for us. Mm-hmm. So you can find her online as well. Um, I'll post up her profile on Facebook. Yep. All those will be in the description with everything else. Uh, this has been episode two of Monsters And. Uh, we did Mimics. And thanks for listening. Yay.